Well, it is uh, always great having him, and uh, I love him dearly. His name is Henry Scheinkopf, one of the great uh, political gurus in the uh, business, uh, working on many a campaign back in the day, ladies and gentlemen. Scheinkopf Communications, the Clinton campaign, the Bloomberg campaign. Indeed, the guru, and he's uh, on with us right now. We say good morning to you, Henry. How are you? Well, I'm doing great. Thank you very much for asking. How are you? It is uh, great having you, my friend. There's so much to talk about. You know, this congestion pricing uh, has uh, really gotten to many, many, uh, many an official did a presser the other day. We've talked about this. Uh, uh, Hank, you know, going below 60th Street, an extra $34 and change. My goodness. Um, I, I do not know how this can be even allowed to happen. Uh, as far as the MTA uh, and everything else, uh, Henry, they can't get out of their own way. I'm sorry. Uh, for their own mismanagement, this is what you have to pay for. Give me your thoughts. Well, you have to pay for it, and the MTA will never have enough money for its capital program, and it'll never have enough. Uh, it's just an overwhelming problem for the entire region. So is this congestion pricing argument the best they can do? Absolutely not. You could probably say goodbye to uh, the theater industry and the theater uh, sector of the uh, of New York City and Manhattan. Why? Because it's really simple. Can you imagine you pay $250 or so for tickets, then you pay another $200 for dinner, then you pay $50 for a, uh, for a parking spot, and then on top of it, the insult to injury is, guess what? It's the congestion parking, uh, the congestion uh, pricing issue. And, uh, it, you know, people say, well, it's only a couple of bucks. That's, that's exactly the point. People keep getting uh, hit for a couple of bucks here, a couple of bucks there, and they just they just lose their minds. They've had enough. Uh, yeah, they've had enough, all right. And they wonder why people are leaving. Uh, you know, I mean, it's unbelievable. Uh, but to, to do this to hardworking folks, people who have to uh, use that city for their job and everything else, uh, it's uh, it's a damn shame. It's a damn shame to see what this city has become. Um, the congressional maps, uh, Hank. Uh, you know, I spoke about this yesterday, and I, I'll tell you this much. Um, you know, it reeks to me. It really does. I'm not a uh, guy who who goes off uh, on theories and whatnot. Uh, but when I see something, I got to say something. What Rowan Wilson did yesterday uh, was disgraceful as far as uh, wiping it out, starting fresh. Uh, listen, to me, it's a political maneuver. It's it's clear as day. Uh, I'm sorry. Even even with the, the pick getting uh, K- Caitlin Halligan out of there, inserting uh, one of his own, uh, it's just an absolute disgraceful performance in a 4-3 vote there. Uh, what's your sense on all this? Um, I think the public is going to lose its mind. Uh, I think that the public is tired of the Democrats doing what they do, which is to control things any way they can. If you look last week, there was a uh, move by two state senators from Manhattan to knock Donald Trump's name off the ballot um, because they decided so. Based upon the fact, based upon the insurrection. Now, uh, an indictment is not a conviction. Um, and determine that you can use the courts or you can use the law to, for your own personal agenda, regardless of what is required, is something that should be chilling to people. So the Democrats are now telling people not only who they should vote for, but whether they can vote for them and at what time. Um, it's really atrocious. 
And I think they ought to be ashamed of themselves, quite frankly, significantly so. Why? It's not about doing what's right. It's about power. And that's why the political system in this country is in serious trouble, because we see, it, we see that all the time in a bipartisan manner, depending which state you're operating in. The political industrial complex has taken over for what used to be good judgment and fairness. We don't have much fairness, but we have a lot of politics. We have a lot of people making money off the system, um, including political consultants like me, unfortunately. And it's just not going to work out well. Not no, it's not. When you put a guy in place, Henry LaSalle, uh, you know what? Heck, LaSalle, excuse me. Uh, you know, that that to me was an eye-opener right there. And then you get your own guy to pull what he did, yes, two days ago. Uh, that's It's disgraceful. From an appellate well, court judge, highest one in the state and everything else, uh, you know, I, it, it, I don't even know what to say anymore, honestly. Uh, the way Wilson went about his business. And if you remember, the high court ruled last year that the Demi- Democrat-controlled ledge unconstitutionally approved gerrymandered districts in their favor. And that led to, you know, Henry, you remember the special master and everything else to redraw them uh, for the midterms and everything in play here. So, you know, it just doesn't make sense. Well, the public is going to have its moment. They're going to be disgusted by it. You know, they're tired. And as someone who's who's been a Democrat my life, I mean, people are tired of being pushed around by Albany, which is controlled by Democrats. They're tired of being pushed around now by the courts. And they're tired of the fix. And, you know, the average average person, you know, don't, don't discount them. They know what's going on. And they're not happy about it. And that's one of the reasons why, if you look at Long Island, um, regardless of the protestations of the of the of the Nassau County Democratic Chair, the place is becoming more Republican by the minute. Yeah. And there's a reason for it. People are disgusted. No, well, listen, maybe it's a sign Lee Zeldin only lost by three hundred thousand at Kathy Oakle. Who knows? Uh, yeah. but you get a sense that it's becoming an even playing field, certainly in years to come. Hank Shankop uh with us. Hank, let's get to the third congressional. Uh, you know, everybody loves Tom Swazi, the you know, the uh, the obvious uh, pick. I, I even said it was obvious, but I said be careful with that. I can explain. Uh, the question is on the Republican side. Now, listen, I have no problem with Joe Cairo taking his time here. There's no rush to put anybody in, no rush at all. You got an asshole legislator uh, that uh, everybody's eyeing. You got Mike Sepracone. We know very well here at LI News. He's raised more money than anyone. Uh, you know, Cairo's making his uh, time count here, and there's no rush to put anybody in. Uh, do you get a sense of that, too? Very smart move by Joe Cairo, um, who, if Zeldin, by the way, had become the governor, would be certainly, without question, the most powerful man in the state of New York. Yeah. That being said, um, what's the move here? The move is to let the Democrats think they have it won, permit them to run around dumping opposition research so it all becomes old news by the time that the Republicans pick their choice because the Democrats somehow think they have this all won already, which is kind of hilarious to me. Uh, it's not going to be easy if, if the uh, no matter who the choice is and if the, the kind but depending upon the kind of campaign the Republicans won, win uh, should be run. Why? Because they have, Democrats have not been winning on Long Island. I mean if you look at the shellacking Democrats took in Nassau County particularly in this last round um, you know, it's just in the 20, this year, 2023, it tells you something very clearly. Uh, and the Republicans have to do the very logical thing, which is don't give the Democrats anything to uh, rejoice over and then come out with both guns blazing right after the first year, probably, you know, 
second week of January when people are paying attention. And the arguments against Thomas Wazzy are pretty clear. Pull up every vote he ever took with the squad. Everyone whatsoever. Exactly. Because the issues in this campaign are very simple. But the migrants, the, the, the sense that, that uh, crime is seeping into western uh, Nassau and eastern Long Island, eastern Queens, from uh, Brooklyn, the Bronx, and uh, Manhattan, um, that things are out of control, uh, and that Swazi uh, may be a nice fellow, but why do you abandon everybody and blame him for George Santos? If he hadn't decided to run in this crazy race for governor, um, there would have been no George Santos, right? Or certainly there would have been someone more rational than George Santos. And the idea that somehow this intellectual argument, you can blame the Dem- Democrats for, uh, you, can, excuse me, you can blame the Republicans for George Santos's supporters on the ridiculous. Why? George Santos is gone. He's not the issue anymore. The issue will be the Democrats. And they should begin to attend to that in their own minds because that's what's going to happen. And when I say Tom Swazi was the obvious pick, but to me, Hank, uh, he's not a shoo as far as a winner here. He's got some splaining to do. And you could tell me, well, you know, he went against Hochul on the crime stuff and everything. He didn't go hard enough, though. Uh, and, and quite frankly, you know, he, he lost his bid, you know, deputy mayor and everything else. Uh, he dropped out of that whole thing. Uh, you know, quite frankly, uh, what has Tom Swazi been doing here? Is he bored? Uh, you know, as far as, uh, you know, wanting to get back in the game again? Uh, listen, uh, it could be the John Kamen effect. I always go back to John Kamen, the deputy county executive of Suffolk, you know, who thought he could regain his old spot in North Hempstead as supervisor, and he got smoked. So be careful what you wish for. I always say the Kamen effect could happen as Swazi here. Well, you know, the reality is no one likes being told their second best. So he leaves, right? But he does to run for, for and he can't pay himself. And his desire all his career has been to vote, to be the governor, not anything else. He, he leaves, he runs for governor. He leaves the constituents behind. And you can blame him for Santos. You can blame him for uh, for not wanting to deal with the issues I talked about a moment ago. That are, those are real things that are on people's minds. And that's what's going to happen. He left when the going got tough for his own benefit and uh, presumed that the voters are morons and will say, oh, yes, it's okay, Tom. And we're going to spend the Democrat consultants are going to be building houses in the Hamptons based upon what they see as one of the great windfalls of our, of our lifetime. Or they're in, they may be in for a very big surprise, which is voters are not morons. And they do get tired of being taken advantage of. If that's the case, then Tom Swazi loses. If the Republicans nominate someone who's not bulletproof, than the uh, Republicans lose. It's kind of a very simple issue here. Hank, does Steve Ballone have a future at all in New York politics? Very tough. Um, I, there's a clear sense uh, by, in the minds of some that time has passed him by. Very confident, but, you know, there are some problems that occurred while he was Nassau County, excuse me, Suffolk County Executive, not the least of which was the, uh, was the information system. Yep. And the explanations that have never been made are pretty, you know, pretty unfortunate for him. And should he run for public office, all that went on will be part of the discussion, including the police department, um, its failures, and its successes as well, but certainly its failures, and notably the Gilgo Beach uh, investigation, that uh, while he was county executive, didn't happen in the way that it should have. And he can blame the police department, but, you know, he's, uh, he's the guy that runs the county. It's, uh, it's going to be a problem for him going forward. Boy, Shankov, you are as sharp as a tack this morning, i got to tell you. I think a lot of people agree with you in that regard. Um, Andrew Cuomo has been popping up in the news lately. 
Uh, he's doing some interviews. He's getting his name out there a little more. There's a little buzz. Maybe he could challenge Eric Adams. Uh, he would annihilate Eric Adams. I'm going to tell you that right now, the way Adams has gone about his business. Do you see him uh, resurrecting again, and in, in that the form of a Merrill campaign there, Heck? Um, let, let's go back. So there's a lot of people in the, in the, in the world who are still around who would like to correct the mistake of 1977, which was not electing Mario Cuomo, uh, the mayor he lost uh, to Ed Koch in a primary runoff, and um, the rest is history, and Mario became, Mario Cuomo became the governor of the state of New York, uh, served three terms, and then was, uh, then, you know, like, really was was uh, opposed by somebody called Getter, been around too long, and been around too long, did the same thing to Andrew to Mario Cuomo, did the same thing to Al D'Amato and other people in our state. So, Andrew Cuomo as mayor, uh, if the opportunity presents itself, and that would mean that Adams would unfortunately be removed or leave office for some reason, should that be the case, in a field of Andrew Cuomo, uh, the public advocate, Jamani Williams, who uh, hates school safety agents, for example, at a time when crime and, and violence is up in New York City schools, has, has called them, I believe, I believe uh, criminals and perverts or something like that, and well, they're primarily you know, working mothers, were black and brown, um, which shows his uh, sense of judgment. Um, and then, uh, then the controller, one uh, Brad Lander, who at the time of the Gaza um, Israel Hamas Gaza war, has, uh, has loves to be referred to by Linda Sarsour, the Palestinian nationalist, as uh, her favorite mensch. Um, you have to then knock those two out of position almost immediately. Um, and to say, look, Andrew Cuomo would win that race should he run. Would he be a good mayor? You know, the history of governors in New York State who have accomplished anything, generally one of what I call the imperial governor. You go back to Rockefeller, um, who rebuilt the state's highway system, rebuilt the state's uh, capital, rebuilt the uh, the state's uh, university system. And you go to uh, the next one up, with, let's see who's really an imperial governor. Certainly Mario Cuomo was to force things to happen. Uh, certainly Elliot Spitzer was. Certainly George Pataki was, certainly Mario Andrew Cuomo was. What is unique about the imperial governor is they force things to happen with a legislature that's often recalcitrant and doesn't want to get anything done. Because to get something done is to pay a political price. If you do nothing, there's no price to be paid. If you do something, there's a price to be paid, both good and bad news. So and Andrew Cuomo was, as the mayor at a time when the city is facing um, a budget crisis that no one wants to really talk about, a crime crisis, whether true or not, people feel it a sense that things are out of control. Um, and should Adams not be there, Andrew Cuomo would be tough to beat. I agree. Uh, listen, Eric Adams is not ready for prime time. I think that's what he has shown in his tenure. Uh, I think Cuomo would annihilate this guy uh, in, a, in a one-on-one, uh, without question here. Hank Shankoff with us a couple of minutes. Hank, uh, you know, eventually we're going to have a female president of the United States. So answer me this, fill in the blank. Who is, in your estimation, the next female president of the United States? Not necessarily talking 24, 28, maybe 32, but give me a sense. Who would that be? It's, 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 it's hard to, you know, it's hard to prognosticate that far in advance. Please, God, we should all be here, all who are listening at that time, that far ahead in the future. Yes. Um, I, always, I always had a fondness for Amy Klobuchar, who's a centrist, a productive member of the Senate, from the right part of the country. Um, if she's interested in 2028 20, uh, or 2032, 20, she's around, she'd be a good one. 
Um, but there's going to be a whole, uh, with, uh, let's see, the governor of Michigan would be an interesting choice. Certainly governor, ha- former Governor Haley, former ambassador to the U.N. Haley would be a, a good choice, good as in competitive, someone who, uh, who, def- who defend democracy. All these people believe in the democratic system. They don't believe in, uh, in some kind of imperial control by the president. And there's going to be a whole generation of competent women who are both cons- who run the entire length of the spectrum. From conservative to centrist Republicans, from conservative Democrats to centrist Democrats to left-wing Democrats to right-wing Republicans. I mean, the, the political system is going through a demographic shift, as is the country. We are now more likely than not not to be able to trace as Americans our roots back to Europe. We have uh, citizens who do not who come from Africa, who come from Asia, who come from uh, South America, Central America, all over the world, and who are doing what we've always seen, which is becoming Americans. So we're going to see a whole generation of people and competent women and men who are going to want to serve the country, and they will with distinction. Interesting. Um, yesterday's events, the impeachment inquiry, uh, was this an event that signaled to Gavin Newsom that he is going to be the nominee when all said and done? Maybe we saw it yesterday for the first time officially of an exit ramp for Joe Biden here. Um, but in essence, you know, I've watched Biden very closely it seems like he is aged, and I'm not saying this facetiously. It seems to me he has aged uh, precipitously uh, upward, we should say, um, over the last couple of months. I, I just see it in his face. I see it in his eyes. If he ever opens them during a speech of some kind. But I, I'm, I'm seeing things here, Okay. Now, you can tell me about cognitive decline and everything else. Listen, I poo-poo all that stuff. I don't care. Listen, to me, it's about policies. Institute the right policies, and you're golden. If not, you know what? You're going to be subjected to, to critique. But I see this yesterday. Smoke, fire, the whole thing. I think they had to get it done. They got the vote. I think it's a start. I think the country has a right to know what's going on here, what went on here as a VP. You want to know what I really think about it, huh? It's really simple. Um, if you look at photos of all presidents, from the beginning of their term to the midpoint, to the end of their term, the first term anyway, you see faces that are much more tired than when they begin. There, we've seen this a lot. The, uh, the press keeps producing them. So a president who was trying to stem off a third world war, which you're very close to right now, was fighting two, two conflicts, one against Iran, pledged to, which is the, the uh, this is a proxy battle in the, in the Middle East, Iran, which is pledged to destroy this country and enslave it, and you know, institute Sharia law and bump everybody off. Um, you know, he's in that war, and then the war against the, the Russians, which is a proxy battle with Ukraine, with the Europeans not paying attention, not understanding that Russia will likely, if we fail, dominate Europe, at least restore the, the uh, the pre-cold, pre-end of the Cold War boundaries that are dangerous and likely to cause potentially a nuclear war, um, with the China and North Korea on the sides and the, and the BRICS, the BRICS people waiting to de-dollarize the entire world economy, it tends to weigh on someone a good deal. Plus, restoring America's economy in the post-COVID world. Um, does that tell you that Joe Biden is tired? Any president would be tired. Is he older? You bet. Is it more difficult at that age? Sure. You're not the same at 81 as you are at 70 or 60. Unquestionably so. But is this impeachment inquiry a good idea for the Republicans? And the answer is absolutely not. Why? 
they could hold on to the House and they could potentially win the Senate because the, the two seats that, that, that Majority Leader Schumer needs are West Virginia and Montana. And, he, and Tester is uh, apparently back and forth in Montana, the senator there. Is this going to help them do that? The answer is no. It will only create more chaos, something the voters really don't want, don't need, and something the nation doesn't require at the moment. They can win it on the merits, but they're not going to put that in jeopardy. Hank, doesn't the American people need the truth, though? Do they need the truth to be told here? Um, telling the truth and is one thing. Telling the truth so it appears to be a political act for the sole purpose of, of uh, embarrassing someone or gaining power is not appropriate at this moment. And I'm trying to imagine what would occur if other presidents who are similarly situated. I mean, we haven't had a president with these kinds of problems probably since Franklin Roosevelt. We haven't been this close to a world war since Franklin Roosevelt. And the American people are deluding themselves that they think that's not the case. And the generation behind us is incapable overall of doing what would be required should this country get into more serious trouble, which was created not by Joe Biden, but by Barack Obama, to some extent Donald Trump, and presidents who preceded him. The idiots in the Iran situation, Ronald Reagan for not blowing up the Ayatollahs after the murder uh, by Hezbollah, the uh, client of uh, Iran, of, of 200, of almost 300 Marines, as I recall, in Beirut in 1983, and Barack Obama for going to uh, the Middle East as soon as he took power and saying, by the way, we're going to make, we're going to have the Arab Spring, which made the Arabs look at him and think he was a complete imbecile. That being said, we're in a very dangerous place. To have any kind of instability, to undermine the president, would only give our enemies comfort, regardless of what we think the truth might be. There's some truths we just don't need. Hank Shankov with us. A uh, minute or two left. Henry, with that being said, fast forward to me. Does Donald Trump beat Joe Biden 101 if that's the case? Today, if that election were held, it's my considered opinion, based upon, you know, decades of experience and having worked all around the country, and I've worked on, I guess, 40 states, 44 states. Um, Joe, Joe Biden does not, be, uh, does not win that election today. Today. Now we're talking about what? This is December, uh, uh, let's see, 13th of the year, tw- the year before the election. He doesn't win today. No, doesn't get elected. Is it before out of the realm yeah. of Michelle Obama entering this race? Anything happening in American politics is not out of the realm. Would she likely run? I don't, it's hard to see Hard to see that happening. Would she win? Who knows? But one thing is sure. Um, Trump wins just to a good extent because the youth, the younger people are not enthused, certainly, about Joe Biden based upon what we see in, uh, in public opinion polling. And African-Americans don't have the, the same sense of urgency as they did against uh, Trump the first time around. So those two groups do not turn out with some intensity. Joe Biden has an immediate problem in getting reelected. That's just the beginning of it. And then there are those who don't believe the economy has improved, those who are outrageously angry about the, the sense of unfairness they see, who are really Trumpites, um, and a sense that the nation and the, the is, is just our politics and our, our, our life are out of control, being set upon by people who do not wish the nation well. When you have those kinds of settings, it tends not to help the incumbent. And if you look at the classic example, which was Richard Nixon in 1968, um, the company, you know, Humphrey should have theoretically won. He nearly did, by the way, a great campaign run by the late Joe Napolitan and the late uh, Tony Schwartz. Brilliant consultants. But um, 
Humphrey should have had the edge coming from Johnson with the greatest strategic, who was the greatest social legislator, legislator in the history of the United States. But it didn't work out that way because Nixon was the one. Why? Riots, chaos, and disturbance, and a sense again that things were out of control. Wow. Unbelievable. Uh, last one. What is the number one issue for Americans heading into next year? Um, do we survive as a democracy and do we survive as a nation? And can we meet the challenges we're about to be faced with? You know, the, uh, the history of American military ventures, with, with, with great respect to the men and women who have served this nation with distinction, put on the uniform and had the courage to do it. And with great respect for the, uh, the men and women who have served our nation on the streets of our cities and towns and counties as police officers. Um, I think you have to take the following view. We are closer, as I've said before, to war than at any time in recent history. We face intractable enemies who think that the Americans have lost their edge or challenging our dominance worldwide and who have every full intention of destroying our economic dominance as well as our military dominance. Are we prepared for that future? We're running, a, we're running an economy that is based on deficits on one side and taxes on the other. The Republicans and Democrats are both guilty. Um, our military capacity, though extraordinary, and based upon the money we spent, is not what it might be. Our nuclear fleet needs repair. Um, we need to bring bring new new troops into, uh, at least for perception purposes, into our armed forces. There's lots of things that have to be done. Is the country prepared to meet the challenge? Do we understand the danger of Iran, and do we understand the danger of what Harry Truman understood in 1948, which was loss of the Mediterranean Basin? And that's why he put propped up uh, Turkey and Greece. And unfortunately, they turned into dictatorships, not as a result of that, but it just happened to happen historically. But do we understand what's required? If we lose control of the Mediterranean, people in this country could theoretically be eating grass in five years. Yeah. How dangerous this is for our future is unimaginable. And the, new, the generation behind us, when you talk to them about these things, thinks we came from another planet because they bore no burden and paid no price overall. Simple. Henry, I still say the border to me is number one, and how this president has done nothing about it with all that's going on in the world right now. To have an open border right. situation with a fentanyl and everything else right. killing people. Yeah, but that's part of the cri- that's part of the chaos we are experiencing in the sense that things are out of control. Yeah. That's that's you're right. It's part of it. All of this tends to whittle away at a president's popularity, and frankly, the, the belief in government overall, which is which is a uh, which is something we don't want to see. Are we ready for what's coming? And can we forestall it is the real question we face. Henry, well done. Tremendous, tremendous discussion. And I look forward to the next time, my friend. You stay well. If we don't talk, have a great upcoming New Year. And to you and all of your listeners, and I'm grateful for your listening. You'll be a few minutes. Thanks. You got it. The great Shykoff. Uh, checking in. Thanks, Hank. That's good stuff. Thank you.